Welcome to our final Grow Book Chat with Kim and Danielle. God willing, we look forward to fixing our eyes on Jesus together again at Grow 2021, Saturday, August 7th. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our second and final Grow 2020 Book Chat. I'm Kim. And I'm Danielle. Today, we're going to be chatting about another four Christian books. Um, Once again, some of these books will be here because they connect with some of the big ideas. If you've been listening to the Bible chat, so especially on Hebrews 3 and 4 recently, some of the books will connect in with some of the big ideas that have come up in those Bible chats. And some of them are here just because we've liked them and we'd like to recommend them to you. But before we get into talking about these books, we thought it might be worth taking a step back and talking about what makes a Christian book good. Because it may come as a shock to some people that not every Christian book in a Christian bookshop or written by a Christian is necessarily any good. Yeah, there's a lot of Christian books out there and uh, you might know from experience that you walk into Kurong and it's a pretty overwhelming range. And that's not even, there's an even bigger range when you look online. So how do you sort out the wheat from the chaff? So what do you do, Danielle? Like, what are you looking for? What are you measuring? How are you working out that a Christian book is good or not? Yeah, so I think a a good place to start is just having the mindset that Christian books are not the Bible. Yeah. So they're not your measuring stick or anchor point for truth. So I always measure what a Christian book says against the Bible. And when I was when I was thinking about this and thinking about what makes a Christian book good, um, there's about five things that I came up with. So one was they point you to Jesus as what can ultimately save you. So it's not the world or yourself, your feelings, a better managed schedule or success. Um, They lead you to love your neighbor and serve your neighbor. Uh, They point you to the body of Christ, being part of fellowship. They point you to the value and necessity of input and godly wisdom from people Mm -hmm. mature in the faith. And they point to the Bible adequately, accurately, and faithfully. Um, So... One of the, it sounds like really simple points, doesn't it, Kim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think in practice, some of it can be more difficult to work through. You know, so I, I was trying to imagine a made-up book, you know. And something yeah, 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 yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and, you know, let's say you come across a book and the author says they've left the church. They're never coming back because it's not about, you know, the building. Yes. Yeah. And they mostly experience God through walks in nature and time alone. You know, and it's kind of like, you should take issue with that book because it's, you know, it's a voice that's encouraging you not to fellowship and serve with Christ's body. It's one that's saying the Bible isn't the most perfect way to know God. And so even though it's a a book that might have a really good story or it's really well written, like if the Bible, if God's Or you really like the author, they come across as a really exactly, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. like if God's word's calling it foolish, then you should be questioning it mm. robustly. Yeah, and it I think- almost sounds like you're describing a kind of um, a kind of humility. Like the the book won't try to be. It's, it's not trying to say that I've got the I've cornered the market on truth and listen to me and I'm going to solve all your problems. Like that. Like you're saying, you want the book to kind of be connecting you back to God's word and connecting you back to the gospel and connecting yes. you back to the church and. So it's it's not going to be this this miraculous standalone pillar um, solve mm. all your problems kind of book. And if you've got someone claiming to be that, then like your, your warning bell should be going off. But, but. And then I, I also thought about um, you know what does it look like when you're actually picking out a book? So mm. you go, you know, you're looking online or 
you are interested in a topic and you go into Kurong, what should you do? You know, you, you have a topic that you're particularly interested in. You know, what's something you would do? Yeah. What's something I would do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got, um, I had really similar um, thoughts to you about connection with the Bible, which I might talk about in a little bit. But, yeah, what I would do, like my step for beginners is um, sometimes if I'm not familiar with an author, I'll sometimes look at the publisher. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and obviously this is something that you build up wisdom Mm -hmm. over time. You get to learn which publishers, um, like customarily will have good books, good quality books, and you get to know kind of like the mm-hmm. special specialities of different publishers. So um, so I thought just a tip for beginners, some people might be like, I don't even know where to start. So I thought yeah. like, I'll tell you some publishing companies that I think are good places to start, um, not because they're the only good publishing companies, um, but in general they're just really, really reliable. So in Australia, um, anything by Matthias Media, Matthias yeah. Media works really hard to um to help everyday Christians think biblically about stuff and within the storyline of the Bible. So they're very, they're, their absolute um, standout strength is very good on biblical theology. So what's the whole storyline of the Bible and how does mm-hmm. fulfillment fulfill that? And they will discuss any issue on any book that they're talking about yeah. in that context. So I'd mm-hmm. always think something from Matthias Media is worth reading. I mean, the UK, the good book company, yeah. is kind of the equivalent of Matthias Media and they often cross-publish each other's books. Are you reading my notes, Kim? No. <laughs> um, in the States, Crossway is, yes. tends to be very, very reliable. And, um, and then across the UK and the United States. So IBP, so that came out mm. of University Ministry InterVarsity Press. Mm. IBP is generally very, very reliable. And um, they're all aimed at lay people, so you don't have to be a theologian. Yeah. And they're all aimed at being very biblical, um, thoroughly soaked in the gospel of grace in Jesus, mm. but helping people yeah make sense of life and the world and understand yeah. it so anything by those four people those four publishing companies I would recommend picking up and and you, you probably you still got to read critically like you're not reading the bible like you said but you're on pretty yeah, safe exactly. ground and that's a good place to start if you don't know where to start yeah did you have anyone else that you I find to- too that um no that you that was my list yeah. um, <laughs> no but I I do find uh, yeah yeah um, I look at a couple of websites as well because they provide really good reviews. Yes. Um, so I can know, you know, is this a book that I want to be picking up? So one of them is Gospel Coalition does reviews. Um, yeah. And also Nine Marks does yeah. does good reviews as well. Um, but I think, you know, also just talking to your pastor or a mature Christian leader, just and asking them for recommendations as well. Um, and I, so I said failing failing that... I have two general rules about picking out a Christian book. So yeah. one is I won't buy a Christian book that has a picture of the author on the front cover. <laughs> Do you know I was telling my dad, my, my friend dad about this conversation about, you know, how we were going to have a conversation about recommending Christian books and how do you choose a good Christian book? And he jokingly said, it's the one with the really big picture of the author on the cover, right? Exactly. exactly what that is. <laughs> and I'll go, you know, this hasn't failed me yet, you know? So, yeah. so that's, that's a really good one. Um, and then the other one, I think, is just figuring out what the expressed aim of the book is. So it's, you know, look at the back of the book, look at the preface. Do they want to make much of God or do they want to really build up your self-esteem and make much of you or even themselves? Mm. Um, Does the book talk about, you know, quote unquote, living a godly life, but it's about personal gain or glory? Mm. Um, does it promise to sanctify you and teach you about the Bible or to affirm your plans? 
and yeah. a renewed focus and passion for yourself. Yeah. So I think those are helpful things to kind of gauge when you're picking out a book. Mm. Um, Cause you know, unfortunately there are a lot of books for women that focus on God empowering, you know, and being in agreement with all of our plans just mm. because we feel really strongly about them or passionate about them. Mm. So I think it's important you know, even after you pick up a book, just to test what you read yeah, and to test, you know, how it measures against scripture. So I think those are all <clears throat> like just things you need to be looking at. Yeah. I think um, that's really helpful to go. Is it a book that's going to make me like turn inwards and, mm. and search within myself or, or, or it's, it's going to, it's primarily helping me focus on myself or is it something that's going to help me actually look outward to God and others and that like it doesn't mean that it's not a book that won't be enormously helpful to myself or that the self doesn't matter but yeah where's mm. it putting its focus now that we've made those comments about you know it's probably not a book with the a big picture of the author on the cover I realize that sitting downstairs I've got <laughs> John Stott why I'm a Christian no no that's a really good one <laughs> had a really good thing about this because I was like wait a minute this is just a general rule and so I think it's I think it's like okay if if it's a biography maybe if or if the author has passed away you know that kind of thing it's not a rule Um, it's just a general recommendation a little bit (laughs) tongue-in-cheek take it with a great assault people okay (laughs) we don't want to be roasted (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I Uh, thought um similar to your comments about the bible um, I remember hearing a um, a pastor one time give an illustration, and they were talking about how do you dis- how do you distinguish heresy from truth? And they mm. gave this example about how back in the day, how um, people in anti counterfeit squads were trained, and basically your training. I think yeah. it was something insane, like ninety five to ninety nine percent of your time was spent handling real money, so gen- the genuine mm. article. Um, so you didn't spend ages on the counterfeited items. Mm. You spent ages on the real thing so that when a counterfeited note came across your bench, you picked it up and straight away you went, wait a second, something's wrong, before you'd even consciously recognise what it was. And um, I think that's the thing with Christian books is actually you want to be spending so much time in the Bible and be so familiar with God's mm. word, the genuine article, that as you're reading a Christian book, you can just start to pick up quite quickly Ah, there's something a bit off here. Um, mm. And so, yeah, you don't want to, if you're spending way more time <coughs> reading Christian books than you're spending in the Bible, then, you know, you're just in danger of your balance being out. Yeah. And it's actually spending time in God's word on your mm. own or with others that's going to help you mm. as you start to read books to go, oh, I've I, I bought this author in the past, but I'm just starting to pick up some things that I didn't know yeah. because you're so familiar yeah. with the genuine article. There's a there's a good um, quote by Charles Spurgeon, which is "Visit many good books, but live in the Bible." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, just like you're saying, you know, just when you know the Bible, you're you're better able to discern what you're reading in these books. Yeah. And I think on that note, just if you if you don't know the Bible well, just take the opportunity to study the Bible and know it better, maybe before approaching Christian books. And I think too, just before because we can read a book and find it really interesting, but it, you can take a step to go, I'm not going to take this on personally until I test it or really understand it. And so kind of taking a step back and go, well, maybe I'll write down the main ideas. You know, I'll check what the Bible says. I'll talk to my pastor or, or a mature leader about this before I kind of take this on. Um, and I think that's just um, 
using the Bible again as your measuring point, like as your measuring stick rather than that book. Yeah. yeah. And I think we probably, it probably has come out in what we've already said, but I think it's actually really important to specify that using the Bible doesn't necessarily mean that the book agrees with the Bible. So just because it's oh, yes, the Bible yes. alludes, yeah. uses lots of quotes, doesn't mean that they mean that in context. So you should go mm-hmm, back and read mm-hmm. it in context. Or it doesn't mean that they agree with the overarching story of the Bible, or it doesn't also always mean that they agree with the gospel of grace, the clear and true gospel. And so it's not so much you, your check isn't like you flip it open, you're like, oh yeah, they're quoting the Bible. That actually doesn't show you anything. It's yeah, yeah and something do I've, I've done in, in the past the is yeah, something I've done in the past is, you know, I'll see kind of one sentence quoted and I'll just go, wait a minute does that actually what the Bible says? You know, so I'll just open up the Bible and I'll read the chapter and go, this isn't actually what that chapter is about. Um, And I think, I think having a study Bible as well is, Mm -hmm. is also particularly helpful in just discerning what um, that scripture is saying. And just, yeah, like you said, understanding the context um, is, is helpful as well. So moving on from there, we will discuss our first book, which is Crazy Busy, a mercifully short book about a really big problem by Kevin DeYoung. Uh, so he's pretty clear that this isn't one, uh, a book where he helps you with time management skills and he doesn't intend to, quote, plumb the depths of union with Christ, eschatological foreshadowing and the interpretive history of the fourth commandment. So instead he focuses on what is going on in our hearts and some of the yeah. root causes for busyness. So this book is is a personal one for him as he wrestles uh, with his own propensity to busyness. Now, I found this book uh, interesting in that I read, you know, I'm reading it for the chat and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I hit a couple chapters and I go, oh, this book is for people like me. This, <laughs> isn't, this isn't about anybody I like, else. I was skewed at a couple of points. I was like, oh, oh, I really needed to read that. <laughs> Um, so I'm not sure what, for me, it was when he talks about technology and then, yeah. And, um, and then he also talks about Martha being distracted with much serving and instead Mary choosing the good portion. And it's kind of like, you know, you hear all these sayings all the time and, you know, don't, don't be a, um, a Martha, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I think just really sitting and actually reflecting and, and, reading that and understanding it better and go, Oh, I have a propensity to do this, you know? So I, yeah, I found it a helpful book. It was, it was short and I read it in a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was helpful. Is that how you felt as well or? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd actually read it before and the, um, like I read it maybe a couple of years ago and the irony (laughs) was that I only reread it a couple of like literally a day or two before this chat. Because I was too busy to get to earlier. <laughs> and we um, we picked this book because we thought it was going to touch on issues of rest, which rest was one of the big yeah. come up, especially in the um, Hebrews chapter four chat. Uh, yes, and I it was it was actually nice rereading it because I found all my little underlined points that I you know underlined the last time that I read it. But yeah, I put it put its finger on some really tender spots for me and. Um, my motivations for busyness. It has these, it has a number of helpful diagnostic questions, but the one that has just been coming up in my brain again and again over the last couple of days was, am I serving others for their good? Yes. Or am I trying to make myself look good? And and mm. just like I just he that question was on the page. 
And I was just flicking back over to what has been quite a busy week and I've been quite stressed about it. And there were certain moments like that I was like, oh, oh, okay, mm. that's what was going on there. Um, yeah, and I think the help, really helpful stuff on what's going on in your heart. Yeah. So the pride, people-pleasing, mm. perfectionism. Is it because you've actually failed to set priorities so you haven't decided what you will do and what you won't do? That was a big one for me. Um, and I and I also, um, I don't know what you think about, like the last chapter he kind of says, look, if you're going to be a servant-hearted Christian, you are going to be busy. And then, mm. the, like the aim of reading this book is not that you're going to end up with this serene, uncomplicated, unruffled life. He's like, that's not what you're aiming for. Actually, if you care about the kingdom and you care about people, um, you're going to deal with discomfort and you're going to feel overwhelmed at times and you, there's going to be a cost to being mm. loving. But so, yeah, aiming for serenity is not what we're aiming for. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we do yeah. culturally and personally often have a huge problem with busyness that doesn't come from godliness, even though mm. we like to think that maybe it does at times, yeah. It's almost kind of a reflection on thoughtfully using your time so yeah. and, and purposely, you know, purposefully. Mm. Um, So I think um, one thing that I kind of brought out of this and kind of the time, the times that we're in is that a lot of, you know, if there's anything good to come out of lockdowns, it's that Mm, people were suddenly reflecting on the times, you know, maybe I was using time not well and I was, you know, just filling up my time unnecessarily Yeah, and that this, you know, looking forward, you know, how can I use my time better or more purposefully and thoughtfully. And I think this book could be a good um, point, you know, a starting point for that. Yeah. Um, who would you recommend this book to, Kim? Um, I mean. Busy people. Probably, yeah. Probably <laughs> everyone I know. Like I'm, yeah, trying to, exactly. I'm trying to think. There's probably some people who are, you know, slacking off a little bit or, or there's probably some people who um, maybe need a bit of a, you know, a bit of encouragement. Um, who might not need this might not be the book they need. And there's probably some people who actually are very mature and settled and have thought about this. But um I think most of the people I know, if I gave this book to them, they would read it and go, Yeah, I really needed to read it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So tell us a bit about the next book. Okay, the next book we're gonna be talking about is called The Frog and the Fish by Chris Chris Parker. Um, Reflections on Work, Technology, Sex, Stuff, Truth and Happiness. Now, we're asked to think about books that weren't just for adults, but books that could be for kids or for youth or for young adults. Um, so this is a book that's specifically for late high schoolers or um, or early adulthood. So people who have just left school and are at that point or are just in the last stages of school. Now, The Frog and the Fish is a pretty weird title and um, it's not immediately clear what that means. Yes. I think it comes from like, two, like a parable and a saying. There's um, a a story about a frog who jumps into a pot of cold water on the stove. He can jump out at any time, but it's nice and moist in the pot, so he stays in there. And the pot, the burner gets turned on and the pot gradually heats up very, very slowly. So it's just going up by little degree by little degree. And the frog is gradually heating up but doesn't realise it. He can jump out at any time, but he never jumps out because he and he gradually gets boiled to death. So a bit of a hard story. <laughs> and then there's a saying: if you want to know about water, don't ask a fish. So the idea that actually the fish, it's just that the water is the air that the fish mm. breathes. The fish doesn't really know anything about it. It's just the environment that's in. So it's a book. It's saying 
um, it's a book about culture and it's a book for mm. young people helping them to go, the culture that you live in has shaped you in ways that you are not even aware of and it's told you a story about who you are and what life is for that you've absorbed and believed without even realising that you've been told that story. Is it a true story and does it align with God's story and is it actually a satisfying story? Um, so, Do you think, um, do you think, you know, because it doesn't just focus on those particular issues that people might face. Instead, it kind of takes a whole picture view. Do you yeah. think that what that's what makes it a bit different to maybe some other books in this kind of category? Or yeah, probably kind of reflecting on like you know what lens are you putting on? What yeah, you know, so in terms of the, how you look at these things. Yeah, it starts off with the kind of first like three or four chapters are these big picture kind of questions like who are you? What is life about? Mm. How do you, and then and evil and stuff, how do you how do you make sense of the world that you live in? That it's what's so mm. great on some things, but so difficult on others. And then it has a series of topical chapters, so that just specifically talk about technology, yeah. or talk about happiness, or talk about work, or talk about sex. And then it ends with a chapter on grace. So effectively, the gospel of grace and how it helps you make sense of your whole life oh, and great. how it gives you direction and purpose. So like so, and little things like grace means that. I can admit that I fall short of God's standards for purity and righteousness. So I don't, I can admit that I don't have it all together and I'm not the perfect person. I can see that my ultimate identity is united to someone bigger and more trustworthy than myself. So I don't have to form my own identity, create it all myself. Grace Mm. means that I'm free from the burden of keeping, looking out for myself only and I'm free to look out for others. So things like that. So I think it does, yeah, so it's, it's still hitting those hot button issues, mm. but doing it in a framework of thinking about these, in the biblical story about these issues makes sense when you understand a bigger biblical story about who we are and what we're made for. Yeah. And it's aimed at um, Christian youth, but also those who aren't necessarily Christian. So it's aimed to be a persuasive book. Oh, it's, great. Yeah. Okay. So, it's, yeah, so it's a, it could easily be evangelistic. If you've got, if your kids have friends who are kind of thinking about this stuff at Totally a book you could give your kids. They could lend to a friend. You could give to a kid's friend. Um, it's really nice to like out, just like funky yeah. looking and stuff. Yeah. Go. Do you think this is a good book for youth leaders and also parents of um, young adults as well to read? Yeah. Or yeah. okay, yeah. And I think it's because often what we tell kids is we tell kids um, we, we might tell kids the uh, what the well they might hear us telling them what the Christian rules are. Um, about you know about work or about sex or stuff like that but this is it says actually like let me tell you the Christian story let me let me um, yeah. tell you a p- picture about what life can be like um yeah so um it doesn't have it doesn't directly quote the bible um at points it's so um it's more describing the story of the bible and showing that's persuasive and beautiful but um so it's kind of an invitation or a starter kind of book so something that you'd give to um, Christian kids to help them kind of make sense of the world they've grown up in um, and see how the Christian message makes sense. But uh, maybe a book that you might give to a non-Christian young adult, but then invite them to come and uh, actually learn from the Bible themselves. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, what so, was the next book you had? So uh, For the Joy, Twenty-one Australian missionary mothers' stories on cross-cultural parenting and life, edited by Miriam Chan and Sophia Russell. So this brings together twenty-one stories on what it's really like being a mother on the mission field. Um, so I think 
what this book mostly does well is it takes some of the romance out of missionary work and grounds it in reality. So there's a lot of beautiful stories and, and moments you read about. But while you're reading the book, you're able to see that, you know, these are mothers who have the same struggles as mothers anywhere else. Um, so I, I think it can be encouraging in your faith, even, even here in Australia, as you read about women who have or are living overseas in a variety of places and circumstances. And I think, I think what this book can do is provide encouragement to take a look at life and see how God can be using you in your current circumstances and context. So I think it's, I think it's so easy for us to, you know, read these stories and and think about people over there doing, you know, and not taking the time to just wonder and pray about how God can use us, use you to serve him and to be faithful and wherever he has you now. Mm. Um, So I think this book does that well, because, you know, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is just, family stuff, mothers, you know, people having people over for dinner, you know, having play dates, you know, that kind of stuff. And even just being faithful in their family, you know? So I think it's, it's really interesting and and well done in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of bridges the gap, but like you can feel like, oh, missionaries are over there doing something completely radically different. Um, But it helps you kind of, and and there are things about the cross-cultural life that are very, very different. It helps you bridge that gap. So it means that, you know, if you're praying for missionaries in your church or you've got friends who are missionaries, you start to go, oh, okay, I've got some ideas about things I could ask them or things I could be praying for or things I can talk about them because they're actually not so different from me. And mm. um, and they're really, I found them really honest. So this definitely yeah. is a hagiography. They're not putting themselves up on a pedestal. Um, so I found it was really, I was like, oh, they're women. I'm not a mum and I'm not a missionary and I really like reading the stories. I found them really interesting and encouraging. Um, but I'm thinking, oh, these women are like me. Like they feel anxious and they uh, worry about their kids and they um, feel apprehensive about being different in their community because they want to stand up for Jesus. And they think, oh, if I live sacrificially for the kingdom, will my family be okay? Like, so they kind of yeah. help me go, oh, those are the things that I worry about and I think about. And they, and I think also they help me grapple with those things with faith, like to go, oh, actually, I'm, I'm encouraged to see other people working that out and how they're clinging to Jesus and how they're believing the gospel and putting that into practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I only had one warning about that book. I don't know if you had it. But um, some of the stories um, do just, most of them, lots of them are lighthearted and very easy and encouraging to read. But there are a couple that um, deal with tragedy and grief, mm. um, particularly to do with children. So if you mm. are just at a stage where you know that you couldn't, with some of those stories yeah you might want to just give this book a miss for the moment until you, you know, can maybe can read yeah. it in a couple of years or just have a flick through you probably can quite easily work out which of the stories there's about three I think that um which of the stories that you just might not want to read that was the only um reservation that I had yeah yeah or oh, not really a reservation just um just a heads up yeah um all right so yeah at our last book chat I was given a soapbox moment to talk about a book that I found particularly helpful or impactful. Mm-hmm. And this time it's your turn, Kim, to tell yes. us about your pick. So you which be, book did you pick and why? You should be very afraid. No one should ever give me a soapbox because this could go for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so many hobby horses, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk about one of them today. So uh, I want to talk about a book called Ordinary by Michael Horton. Ordinary 
and the subtitle is Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World. Now, this is one of the few Christian books that I have actually read more than once. I think I've actually read it mm. three times or I'm on my third reading, yeah. And it's a book that each time I've read it, I felt like a load has been lifted off my yes. shoulders yeah. and that I can breathe a bit more freely and that uh, it's given me a fresh outlook on life. So his basic premise is in the title, Ordinary. He, he's, the book is this idea that we live in a society that tells us that we should be extraordinary, remarkable world changers and that Christianly we've kind of caught that culture and we can feel like we're meant to be radical culture shapers, excelling at everything to the glory of God. And his message is actually that God does his supernatural, extraordinary work through ordinary people, working in ordinary jobs, going to ordinary churches and involved in the ordinary routines and graces in life. And, but it doesn't feel, you know, when he's talking about it, you're not like, oh, this is so yeah. boring. You know, yeah. you're just like, wow, no, like actually being part of God's kingdom and the body of Christ is a beautiful, rich yeah. thing. Exactly. You know? he, wants, he, does, he wants you to... He's trying to convince you that ordinary doesn't mean substandard, that ordinary is actually beautiful and purposeful and it's the power of God at work in the world, yeah. Mm. Now, if you're feeling a bit anxious and thinking, has he gone all soft on the radical call, of, you know, that Jesus says you've got to lay down your life, take a bit closer and follow me, um, that's not what he's on about at all. He's really clear about that. Um, but he just trumpets the gospel of grace loud and clear. And I think he just trumpets. It just reminds us that actually it's God at work in his world and it's God yeah. bringing his kingdom in and it's God's power at work and God uses weak, like so we can just lower our estimation of ourselves and how important we are um, and regard it as a privilege and a joy and a, um, a gift to be part of that rather than feeling like it's all on our shoulders and it's all up to us. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think the reason this book has really appealed to me, is partly it's being in your 30s, 40s, and you kind of had the idealism beaten out of you a little bit. But um, it's because I was someone who, as a young adult, this is just so embarrassing to me on public podcasts, but um, <laughs> I was someone who expected that I would be extraordinary. Like, like I've never said oh this to gosh, anyone how except many my of husband. Us did? No, really. Oh, no, I was. I, was <laughs> oh, I used to actually him. think people were going to write a book about me. Like, that's probably came from reading too many missionary biographies in my teenage years. But um, I thought I was going to be that kind of person. And. Um, you know, and I've kind of taken a beating in life since then and in, in good and helpful ways. Like I'm not saying this out of a really depressed sense of self-esteem, but I'm just like, wow, I am way more ordinary than I realised. Um, and this is going, actually, you know what? That's what God, those are exactly the kind of people that God uses and that's, you know, ordinary faithfulness is a beautiful and purposeful thing to be called to in life and and I think it makes much of God because it's kind of going, you know, yeah. like I, I get to be part of his kingdom because he's the one that's glorious and worthy. Yeah. And I think he, um, yeah, that this book does that really well. I, I um, it's interesting what you just said too, because I told you the story uh, a few months back, which was that I just had my first child. Yes. And, you know, I'm sitting with a newborn and not engaging with anything or doing anything. And just kind of going, oh my goodness, what is life looking yeah. like? And I ended up just reading the first first chapter of the book. <laughs> and you know, for the time, that was all I needed. It was yes, just yeah. it was just kind of that reminder of being faithful in what God had me doing right then, which was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and you know 
keeping this baby healthy and, yes, and yes. safe, you know? Um, yeah, I love that. Ordinary. Such a good book that you only need to read the first chapter for it to be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but you oh, haven't more that, of it since then, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yes. I read the whole thing and I just absolutely loved it. I loved oh, it. Oh, good. I, I wondered if you like it or not. It's kind of like, I'm like, this is the one I, I was like, what, what are you going to do if Daddy all goes, um, yeah, not so keen, Kim. <laughs> oh, well, when I initially read it, I kind of went, is this just a gripe about culture? Yes, and, yes, um, yeah, yeah. And, that's, a, that's a fair um, question then, to ask. Yeah, and I and and then obviously I kept going and I just went, no, this is actually just adequately or uh, sorry, accurately diagnosing what's wrong kind of in the church. And he and he does it historically, so he makes his argument very full and very, you know, it's you see the big picture. Mm. And then, you know, but then he also uses the Bible to do that as yeah. well. And so you kind of go in and you're like, yeah, you know, like this is, he's right about these things. But then also he comes back with scripture to kind of give you the remedies about these things. And um, yeah, I I was like, oh, I want to read it again because mm-hmm. there is so much to sit and think so about much. and chew on. Yeah. 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 Like he just, and he's like, he does write really beautifully and he just has these phrases like these sentences that you just go oh yeah that's that's actually just really yeah gets me thinking was really profound or just summarizes what's going on there really well yeah yeah so I'd like yeah I I, um, recommend it for more like someone who's been a Christian for a while because it's not I wouldn't call it a hard read but I think it's a hearty read I think it's kind of theologically rich and nuanced Mm. and thoughtful um, so it's not going to be your first book that you want to pick up if you're a new Christian. But if you've been an older Christian for a while, I think, yeah, it's really interesting. What were you going to say? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, yeah, and I think too, just also, you know, if you are somebody who is wondering if you're missing something because life doesn't look nearly as interesting as you as you thought it would, uh, this is a good book to yeah. kind of pick up. And, and I think too, it also... Um, what were you going to say something, Kim? I was going to ask you, what, what do you think? So I kind of, I've kind of thought this is the kind of book that you read in your thirties and forties where the shine's kind of worn off life and you're like, yeah, what, what's it about? What do you reckon? Do you reckon a woman in her twenties would enjoy it? Or what do you reckon her reaction would be to it? No, I absolutely think it, it's good because I think we can set ourselves up for this idea of, you know, life should look this way. And you kind of, have this massive anticipation sometimes for life being a certain way or looking a certain way. And it's like, how can I just serve God faithfully and, and serve the body faithfully and, and that being okay. Um, so, and that being not a giving up or a settling, but you know, that God sees that and God sees what we do for him. Um, and that's not something, yeah, mediocre like mm. it. And so I, yeah, I, I read the book and I go, oh, I kind of wish I had, this is the kind of book that I had read maybe in my twenties as yeah, well. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Um, the other, the, the kind of last thing was, I, I think this book ties into some of the, the Hebrews four chat as well. Yeah. Um, just in terms <laughs> of, yeah, you know, like just, so we, you know, we try to chase after the extraordinary when really we just need to enter God's rest, see yes, what Christ yes. has done. And that, and that's what we, that's what makes what we think of as ordinary is full of purpose and joy. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I found just how well that tied in um, yeah. to that chat as I well. The same too. Yeah. 
Like we kind yeah. of gone, yeah, let's pick for the joy because it's kind of about perseverance and busyness, like crazy busy because it's kind of about rest. And then as I was rereading Ordinary, I was like, oh, this is kind of also in that ballpark of yeah. how do you live the Christian life sustainably for the long term but with mm. joy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all from us today. Uh, you can find a list of all the books we've talked about today and the episode notes for the program. Books can be purchased through The Wandering Bookseller, our provider who usually supplies the books for our bookstall each year. The Wandering Bookseller will be generously providing a 20% discount for all the books on their Grow range. Just use the code GROW2020. You can also purchase books through Kurong. Links to those websites are available on our webpage. And this is our final book chat for 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God willing, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to meet together in person at Grow Conference next year. And then we can talk about books in person rather than on a podcast. <laughs> See you later. See ya. You've been listening to our final Grow Book Chat. Don't forget to tune in to the final song chat next week. And remember to save the date for Grow 2021 on Saturday, August 7th. 